Welcome to Beyond the Classroom, Michael Government Chat. On this episode, we have Magistrate Jackie Huntley. Jackie is a local magistrate on the Stark County Family Court. Take a listen as we discuss her background and the interesting things that come with court cases. Enjoy this episode of Beyond the Classroom, Michael Government Chat. get started just kind of give a little bit about uh, your background you know uh, I think most students know about a little bit about court in the judicial branch but maybe they've never heard the word magistrate before you know um, so what is a magistrate and, and just give a little background about yourself sure well I've been a magistrate um, full-time since 2011 in Stark County Family Court and Stark County Family Court let me just say it's kind of unique in that it's a dual branch court. So in other words, a lot of counties separate their domestic relations court with their juvenile court. Stark County combines all that. So um, as a hearing officer, which is basically what a magistrate is, um, I help the judges hear and decide cases in a wide thing that will come before the court for both domestic relations and juvenile. So that that will include hearing divorces, disillusions, um, post-decree, like after the decision is made, if there are problems, modifications or contempt because no one's following the court orders, um, motions to enforce, things like that on a post-decree um, basis. And then I hear paternity cases, child support cases, setting them, enforcing them. Unfortunately, I have to hear domestic violence cases and dependency, neglect and abuse cases as well. Dependency, neglect, and abuse means that this, the county children's services agency has intervened in a family and removed children from parents to protect their well-being. And those are, you know, gut-wrenching cases, but I, I hear those. Um, I hear juvenile traffic, and then, of course, the largest bulk of what I do is hear juvenile delinquency cases. So that's a huge variety of, of case types that I hear. And, um, and we do that because Stark County is a large county. And if the judges, we only have three family court judges and there's a staff of seven magistrates. If we didn't have magistrates, the judges would never ever be able to hear, at least in a timely fashion, all of the cases that come before the court in family court. So the magistrate was born out of necessity um, in, in modern times because we have so many cases coming before the court. Yeah. I'll, so, Oh, go ahead. Some, some smaller communities um, and counties don't have any magistrates. Most of the larger counties in Ohio do. And, have, gotcha. and not only in family court, but in criminal court, civil court. Um, yeah, they're just so born out of necessity, but we sit on the bench um, and it looks like a miniature courtroom, my courtroom, um, but we sit on a bench and we hear all these types of cases. Now, if, um, so of course there's a reviewing process. Yeah. And so if someone disagrees with me and my decision that I make, then they, ha they are able to appeal my decision to the judge who's assigned to that case. But on appeal, they have to convince the judge that I either abused my discretion or I made an error of law. Those are the two, only two reviewing factors. So um, a lot of times 
they object because and they want to go before the judge because they want to bring in new evidence. Maybe they didn't have the evidence at the time they tried the case in front of me, or maybe they realized the mistake. But the judge's review is very pinpointed. Did the magistrate make a mistake of law, or did she abuse her discretion? Gotcha. So you can't get a, a new bite at the apple because you weren't prepared the first time. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, I did a little background here, and I didn't know this. Uh, you're a BGSU alum. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and then law degree from Toledo. Yeah. I, you know, I actually, I, when I finished my undergraduate, I needed a break, um, and I needed some money <laughs> to afford <laughs> law school. So I took about a six-month break worked like crazy and then went to law school and I started at Akron actually and then um got married and my husband's business was in Toledo and I investigated and and found the University of Toledo had a law school and most of my credits except for my con law class uh transferred so I had to repeat one class that was con law it was bad enough the first time but uh (laughs) Um, yeah, so my, my law degree is actually from University of Toledo. What kind of, you know, just kind of reflecting back, you know, obviously our students are, a majority of them are, are going off to college here soon. What drove you to select law school? I mean, was there a family member? Was it always something that was interesting to you? So this is like a weird story, but, you know, I'm kind of old. And when I was a kid, I watched a lot of Perry Mason and I thought, you know, I kind of want to do that. And I really didn't know anything else about the law except Perry Mason. And then when I took some like pre-law classes, I realized how vast the law is. So you don't have to be a trial lawyer. You know, you can work for a corporation. There's so much you can do with the law. And I thought, you know, that's going to be a little, a step above a business degree for me. I don't really know what I want to do, but I want to do something in the law so let's just go to law school. So that was kind of my thought. Um, and then once I got into law school, I wanted to really go into personal injury law. Wow. And just, you know, life takes you in different directions. And I wound up, um, when my husband came back to this area, had a business opportunity in this area, and we both grew up in this area, I thought, okay, let's come back here. Um, And the one thing that I wanted to do, because I I had been gone from Stark County for so long, I didn't know anybody anymore. I mean, I didn't know any of the political, you know, beings, or I, I I didn't really know anybody. So I thought the best way to interject myself back into the legal community here in Stark County was to law clerk. Yeah. Or, you know, a helper for a judge. And so I was judge... Julie Edwards, law clerk and bailiff for several years. And I got myself, um, you know, re-involved in Stark County, joined the Bar Association, things like that. And unfortunately, well, fortunately, but unfortunately for me, um, Judge Edwards was a family law judge. And so I got enmeshed in family law. And I realized that I liked it. I liked it a lot better than personal injury. I liked dealing with really helping kids. And um, so I've been with family law ever since in some capacity. 
Now, I did work for Child Support Enforcement Agency for several years before joining the bench. So, and, and actually, the judges um, kind of approached me and said, hey, would you mind being a part-time magistrate for us? And I was a part-time magistrate for a couple of years. And then um, when a, a full-time position opened up, they offered me a full-time position. And I, I was just elated. I mean, I just loved what I was doing and thought, opportunity and so now i've been in family law that's awesome wow what, yeah. a, what a story um now you, you've kind of mentioned a little bit on the appeal side for yourself uh you know let's say somebody appeals uh you know your ruling and then it goes you know to a judge uh they obviously could appeal that judge then and and that right. would go all the way up to the state level right uh right and then yeah, but- Go ahead. Yeah, but we have a three-tier system. And, of course, our judges, our family court judge, any judge at the trial level is your trial level. And if you disagree with the trial judge, then you have a right to appeal. And so um, in Stark County, we're the Fifth District Court of Appeals. And if you disagree with the appellate level, then your your last stop is the now. My position as a magistrate adds a fourth tier because that's the initial, I'm the initial trier of fact. Mm-hmm. So, and, and actually when you go before the appellate court, if you disagree with one of our judges and you go before the appellate court, it's the same standard of review that I'm under. So the judge right. then would have to um, be accused of abusing the judge's discretion or making an error of law for the appellate court to overturn the judge. Gotcha. Now there's always this kind of buzzword out there, mistrial. What, what is a mistrial? If you could explain that to our students. Sure. Um, A mistrial is a term really applying to criminal cases. And, you know, of course you have fundamental rights. And when you are read your Miranda rights, you get a lot of those rights, but really they're saying that the trial is declared invalid for some error in the proceeding. Um, So that could be an error in the jury selection. Maybe there's a misconduct of a juror that renders the whole process suspect because you want to maintain that your rights are protected. Um, The most common cause of a mistrial would be, of course, a hung jury. Now, Mm -hmm. our juries are 12 and all 12 must agree. And if they're deadlocked, if they cannot agree, then a mistrial is declared. So maybe not an error, um, but certainly a deadlock. And yep. so a couple things happen when a mistrial occurs. Sometimes the, the errors are so um, grievous, maybe somebody tampered with evidence or something like that, that the charges are just dismissed. And that is a decision that the prosecutor would have to make. Sometimes they don't want to go through the trial again, so they make a plea bargain. Yep. And just, you know, that and that's just another way of saying they're agreeing to resolve the case in a different way. And of course the most common result would be just a new trial is scheduled, but it's on the same charge. So a lot of people think that they don't understand mistrial because you're not you, that would be subject subjecting it to double jeopardy. But that's really not the case because a mistrial is declared 
any time during the proceeding, but before the judge renders a determination of the facts. Mm -hmm. So um, in a mistrial, the defendant is not convicted, nor is the defendant acquitted. So he can be tried again. Yep. That makes sense. Uh, how about, uh, you know, just a, a quick summary. I, I know we've talked about it with our, our students uh, in my classroom, and, and this was back in the fall. But uh, just the differences between, you know, cases that, you know, at the local level that could be heard compared to cases at the state or, or even federal level. Sure. Um, so we're talking about jurisdiction. And jurisdiction is another way of saying what is a court authorized to hear. And in municipal court or your local court, you're going to be hearing some small claims matters, um, rent disputes, traffic cases, um, DUIs, um, things like that. In the state court, the state is going to be hearing any kind of a, a civil claim. So it would be like a wrongful, on the, on the civil side, it would be like a wrongful termination of employment or personal injury, something like that. Um, and then, of course, criminal. And then um, the federal jurisdiction, that gets a little more dicey because federal courts decide disputes between citizens of different states or cases against the United States, like on constitutional issues. Yeah. So, and then there are some, like U.S. Bankruptcy Court would be a federal court. A patent or copyright issue would be federal court. Um, claims over seventy-five thousand dollars would be um, heard in federal court if the dispute is between two different states. Gotcha. People from two different states. Um, but all three of those courts, they, of course, they all have that three-tier review system. There's going to be a trial, um, a trial, an appellate, and a Supreme Court tier. And then it, it's it's called a little bit different in federal court. In federal court, you're going to have your district courts, which are your trial courts, your circuit courts, which are your courts of appeal, and then the United States Supreme Court. Yeah. Now, I, obviously, I want to make a connection here. Obviously, you know, in like Stark County Family Court, you would never hear a case on, you know, uh, a speeding ticket, a murder. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think well, uh, like some, you know, well, there's like there's... CSI kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that's not correct. Well, let me just say for adults, you're correct. But we had two murders in Stark County last summer. And so and, and the juveniles that were. Um, charged with the crime were um, 14 years old. So, of course, that came to juvenile court. Gotcha. Um, and then the decision was made, well, first of all, are they competent to stand trial? And they go through a battery of psychological testing to determine that. And then secondly, um, should they be, should there be a blended sentence? Should they be tried as an adult? And if not, if they're still tried as a juvenile, should there be a blended sentence, which means, you know, a partially a juvenile rehabilitative sentence and partially a, an adult, you know, consequence. So, yeah, unfortunately, we had two two murders in Stark County last summer in July, June, July ish. And then your other example was um, speeding. 
we we do juvenile traffic cases as well. So if you're a juvenile and you're charged, then yes, I hear those cases as well. That makes sense. Okay. How about, um, you know, I always laugh at this and it's kind of funny. I don't think my students even know this. When I was at Barberton, I got to meet this lady. She spoke at the, the Barberton High School graduation when I was there. But I think a lot of people, when they think of like a courtroom, uh, and, and what uh, court looks like and in the proceedings, they, they automatically flip to Judge Judy, you know, because it's, <laughs> it, it's on cable TV. And that's for most of our students, their only interaction with a courtroom right now because they, one, either have not had a speeding ticket or, or done anything crazy or, you know, they've never had a, a field trip there. But yeah, how does a court t- uh, room, you know, differ uh, from those TV shows or maybe sometimes actually uh, equal out? Yeah, sometimes they're similar. There, there are. So in family court, we have three large courtrooms. The judges get the large courtrooms and they're basically a big, a big room with a bench at one end. There is a, a witness stand that's attached to the bench. And then in front of the bench, podium and council table and then behind council table there's a bar like you see in, on tv and then some chairs it's like two two or three rows of chairs behind that bar which separates the spectators from the the participants so in that respect it looks the same um we only only one of our courtrooms has a jury box because believe it or not um we we do hear one adult case and that would be if adult an adult is charged with contributing to the delinquency of a minor that case is tried in juvenile court but because it's an adult criminal matter they are entitled to a jury trial so but it doesn't happen very often um and so we only have one jury box and so if that's if if one judge needs that jury box they'll just so, Makes sense. but um, let's see, the difference is we don't have bailiffs. Well, I don't have a bailiff. The magistrates do not have bailiffs. Each judge has a law clerk who sits and kind of acts as a bailiff too, but they're not security. We have separate security and security does, it's the Stark County Sheriff's Office and they do come into the courtroom and stand guard whenever they have a litigant in custody, whether that's an adult or a juvenile. Um, and we don't have mm-hmm. a stenographer because we digitally record everything. So that's the difference too. Wow. But the look of it is, is, you know, the, the, the common police court general division in downtown Canton, the building with the angels that are on top of the building, those courtrooms are, yeah. they're all, um, they're all old and they're made of that awesome wood and everything is just very, looks very judicial in there our our court was gosh i don't even know when it was built um we're on the top of the the sixth floor of the um stark county office building and so we didn't get the luxury of of that nice you know wood craftsmanship (laughs) (laughs) so our our courtrooms are pretty bland from a you know decorator's perspective when you when you think of the traditional courtroom but they they're functioning (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um we'll start kind of wrapping up here kind of the last two questions um let's first focus on just law related feel 
about any advice for, you know, a student who is looking at getting into uh, anything in the law related field, whether that is, you know, maybe becoming a, a judge, a magistrate or, uh, you know, being a practicing attorney? Yeah, well, I didn't say this to you be- at the beginning, I don't think, but all magistrates are attorneys. So you've got to start there. Um Oh gosh, the law is so vast, like I like I spoke about before. But I think that they have to be aware that they're they're going to look at a long uh, period of education. So after high school, of course, there's there's your undergraduate college degree. Then you've got to prepare and take the law school admissions test. And I think between your college GPA and your law school admissions test, the LSAT. Um, that will assist you, you know, the better you do, of course, you know, you're, you've got your pick of law schools, but law school is three years. Um, and then you've got the bar exam after that. And then not only if you, even if you pass the bar, you have to uh, submit yourself before a panel of judges for a character and fitness interview. So if you have any a blemish on your record in terms of your ethics or your character, um, then then that's not going to go well in your favor. So my advice is, of course, I mean, it, it kind of goes without saying, is do well in school and stay out of trouble. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it sounds ridiculously simple, but, and then once you're in school, you don't have to make a decision right away. I would say study in college what you think you would enjoy the most because you do want to enjoy your college experience. It really doesn't matter what you study as an undergrad anymore, because like I say, you're going to figure it out in law school, which direction you want to go. Yeah. So I would absolutely say when you have time to work that you should get involved in your community. If you want to go into um, politics or, um, well, just it, getting involved in your community is always a good idea, but just meeting people and making connections and networking for sure. Um, but if you absolutely know what you want to do, like if you if you know you want to go into business or corporate law, then take some engineering classes and some business classes. If you know you want to go into criminal justice or criminal law, then of course, take criminal justice classes and psychology classes. I would always take a good base of English and political science to go with it. But wow. some usually that's an elective no matter you know which avenue you, you turn down anyway. So um, I would just say get a well-rounded degree. Um, yeah, I, I think that's my best advice. Yeah, how about uh, you know our, our students are, are coming up on, uh, it, it really is hard to believe, about uh, two and a half, three weeks left. Uh, as seniors, I should say, uh, our underclassmen have almost a full month. But how about just any, you know, advice just for any senior student, uh, you know, getting ready to graduate? You know, a majority of our kids are, are looking at uh, four-year universities, whether that be, you know, uh, close at home with a, a Stark State or an Akron-Kent. Uh, and, and some go, even, you know, out of state, a uh, uh, North Carolina, a uh, uh, Florida, a uh, Tennessee, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, any, any advice just to the general population have fun <laughs> don't take college too seriously but take it seriously enough i guess i just find that just like us adults have to do we have to find that 
that something that that we can do that we enjoy, but also have that work-life balance. I'm, you know, challenging your seniors to go out there and enjoy their college experience, but find that balance between academics and fun. You can't, you can't have, you, you can't be all in on one or the other. Otherwise, that's not really a great experience. Yeah, finding that balance and uh, balance yeah. is, is so important. You know, uh, you, you get burned out. Just kind of like you said, whether you're all in one way or the other, and obviously it it doesn't go well. You got to again find that balance. Well, I, I appreciate your time, Jackie. Uh, I know that the students uh, appreciate it. Well, it's too bad I couldn't come in person, but there and, we have. Uh, it. Hope all goes well on your end the next few weeks. Thanks. You Take do care. The same. Stay healthy. Bye. <laughs> Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.